Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Well, I want to do another installment on, on Stronger. Today we've done four messages on Stronger. And the whole premise of our message is that, you know, there's opportunities that God gives to us all. Opportunities that sometimes, some of those opportunities may only come once in a lifetime with you. And often in life, when we haven't allowed the strength of God to to grow us, to bring us to that point, that opportunity can slip away from us. Why? Because we weren't strong enough. We weren't at that point where we could step in and that we could take the weight of that moment on our lives and move with God and work with God. And so, you know, we talked about, uh, we talked about how the Lord wants to build us a strong mind, that, that when we are weak-minded, we become weak-willed. And when you have no strength in your will, when the pressure comes on, you begin to fold. And God wants to bring a people, a people who have the mind of Christ, a people that think and act like Jesus because we've strengthened our minds. And when you strengthen your mind, you become a strong-willed person in the good sense, not in the stubborn sense, but, and not in the rebellious sense, but you become strong because you can step in and take that moment and that opportunity that God gives to you. We talked about that the strong are flexible. You know, the weak are brittle. And brittle means that when the pressure comes against us, we begin to break and we bend to cream. We talked about the, that the righteous flourishes a palm tree and that when the storm hits a palm tree, you see it in the islands, when a cyclone hits the palm tree in the islands, the, the palm tree can literally bend over and its leaves can touch the ground without it breaking. That's what God wants you to be like. When the winds of change, when the winds of resistance, when the winds of your enemy come against your life, if you have God's strength within you, you bend without breaking. Amen? How many want to be like that? And he says that we flourish when we're like that righteous palm tree. And so today I want to talk, I want to talk about being clothed with God's strength. That you can put on strength like you put on your clothes. You can put the strength of the Lord on like a garment over your life. Habakkuk, the minor prophet, put it like this. He said, the sovereign Lord is my strength. Isn't that awesome? He didn't say my intellect is my strength. He didn't say my good looks is my strength. He said the sovereign Lord is my strength. And that's the place that God is bringing us all to when we learn how to work with God. We learn how to walk with God through the troughs, through the valleys, up through the mountain peaks. We're in the ups and downs of life that we all face. We can testify like Habakkuk the prophet and say, the Lord is my strength. In 1577, which was a few years ago, a Catholic nun by the name of Teresa of Avila, she wrote a book and she, this is the title and this is what intrigues me. She wrote a book called The Interior Castle. And obviously it was Catholic in theology, but in this book she talks about the different levels of intimacy that can be gained through personal communion 
and a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so she, she talked that there was, like the scripture says, there's from glory, one degree of glory to another degree of glory. That all of us can go to another level of our intimacy until we have built this interior castle inside of us that's able to stand and withstand all manner of storms that are thrown against us because of this mighty castle that's been built on the inside. Amen. We're singing for this morning from the inside out. And that's what God wants to do in all of our lives. And so my question to you is, is that, is that what sort of interior castle have you got within your life? Because you'll soon know how strong your castle is on the inside. When temptation comes your way, when maybe you're just a new believer or a new Christian, and, and, and I was telling someone during the week when I was a new believer, because I, I came from uh, a lot of drug use and, uh, and a lot of alcohol abuse in my family. And when I became a Christian, it was incredible. I couldn't believe it. People were turning up on my doorstep offering me free drugs. Free. I always had to pay for them before I was a Christian. I'd become a Christian. They turn up and saying, do you want some for free? And, you know, and, uh, and I can remember one situation where it was just too overwhelming for me and the stuff just looked too good. And I can remember saying, bro, let's go, let's go. And away we did and we sat down and we had a session. Why? Because I wasn't strong enough on the inside to stand up to that temptation. And so my question to you today is that what sort of an interior castle are you building? on the inside of your life today. A fortress, a stronghold of God's goodness within our lives. Something that's resilient, something that's strong, something that's like that palm tree that when the winds of adversity come against your life, you're able to stand up and still declare that the Lord is my strength. Amen. You know, David, King David was an amazing man. He suffered much adversity. He was a fugitive. He was on the run literally for 10 years of his life. Can you imagine hiding in caves, running from your enemy for 10 years? You know, that's not just a week or two on the run. 10 years on the run. And during those 10 years, he'd still pull out his guitar. He'd still write these incredible songs called Psalms that we read about the biggest book in the Bible, right in the center of your Bibles, is a book called the Book of Psalms. And King David wrote some amazing things. And here's one of the Psalms that he wrote. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Listen to this word. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. I want you to notice something here. That gazing upon the beauty of the Lord led David to safety and to salvation in his life. He was able to say, because I held the gaze of the Lord. Because the word gaze means to fix your focus intently upon the object. 
that King David had learnt, no matter what season he was in in his life, whether it was a season of comfort or a season of ease or whether it was a season of tribulation and trial, David had learnt to go to the secret place. And King David had learnt to hold his gaze into the face of God. And in the beauty of that intimate relationship, God led him to safety and brought salvation around his life to the point that he was able to say, my head shall be exalted above all my enemies. Can somebody give me an amen today? You know, as David communed with the Lord, he expected God's strength to be surround him. And I want to say today, you know, this isn't, listen carefully, this isn't a matter of works. I'm so glad I don't have to work at it in order to gain God's favour. The Bible tells me that I am saved by grace. Do you know what that means? That means even the best I can offer to God is never going to be good enough. And I've got to keep understanding that. Because otherwise I will try and work my way into favour with God by getting as many brownie points as I can, thinking that God's attention will be upon my life. No, we understand this, friends. We understand by Jesus Christ's death on that cross, His burial and subsequent resurrection, God has opened the way for every single child, woman and man to gain access to the throne of God, to come and have an audience with the King by the blood of Christ, not by your human effort and your brownie points. One way in, and that's through Jesus Christ, God's precious son this morning. And I'm so glad about this. But I want to tell you something. It would appear those who are able to set their gaze upon the presence of God, that there is something that happens with a person's life when they can hold and where they can gaze and focus intently. You know what it's like? God loves it. I don't know about you, but have you ever caught somebody gazing at you? It's like, you know, especially when you're a new Christian, it's like, what are you looking at? <laughs> what are you looking at? You know, it becomes uncomfortable when someone's looking intensely at you and their gaze is just like focused with laser light focus upon, ooh, ooh. <laughs> poo kind of back, poo kind of come back. You know, there's a story in the Bible about Jesus. And this is the point they want to understand. There was something about Jesus Christ that was so attractive, that was so amazing in the middle of every storm. Jesus had this head on the pillow kind of peace that transcended every situation. And that's the kind of peace and strength that God wants to build into all our lives. We see the story when Jesus is going across the Lake of Galilee and the lake blew up into a storm. Now remember, all of, most of his disciples knew what it was like to ride the boat in a storm. This was a bad storm. And you know what? In the midst of the storm with the boat rocking and rolling and all these seasoned fishermen, it must have been a bad storm because they start freaking out and they start becoming fearful that their boat is going to sink. And you know what the Bible says? This is what it says. It says here, A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. What's Jesus doing in the midst of this? Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. 
Hello. No worries, mate, as the Aussies would say. No worries, mate. He's there asleep in the midst of the storm, the head on the pillow kind of peace in the middle of any sort of crisis. Now that is strength, friends. That is strength. That's relationship with Papa. That's relationship with the Father. That's because sometime in Jesus' day, he had held the gaze of his Father. And out of that gaze, strength was poured into the life of the Son of God. And he was able to withstand any kind of storm. And I don't know about you, but that's the kind of peace, that head on a pillow and every crisis type of peace where God's strength is emanating out of my life. Do you know how attractive that is to the world? Where they're under the pump, where they're feeling the pressure around about their lives, and you're a workmate and you're standing next to them, and you, they can see the same pressures are against you. But there is this peace and this calm, and there is this strength about your life that is so, so attractive. When I became a Christian, I was working as a foreman at a petrol station. And I'd have to say that my life was characterized by being very up and down. Prior to coming to Christ, I got quite suicidal. And, uh, and all my workmates knew me as the one that was so up and down. But when I came to Christ and I became a Christian, and it was, it was comical because I'd never known what it was like, obviously, to be a Christian, never been raised in church. And I can remember coming to uh, work the night after that I got filled with the Holy Spirit, where God gave me a new heavenly language, where I'd spoken in the gift of tongues. And I was so filled with strength and boldness that wherever I went, I was telling everybody and, 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 and anybody about what had taken place in my life. And I remember rocking up to work one day and I said to my workmates, do you know what? Not only have I become a Christian and Jesus saved me, but he's filled me with the Holy Spirit and now I can speak in tongues. And they're looking at me cross-eyed. But one of the things that they all said to me was they said, man, you have changed so much, James. You have changed so much. You're not the same up and down guy that you used to be. And do you know why? It was because my mentor taught me how to come into the presence of God and hold the gaze of the Lord long enough for His strength to come seeping into my life. So when the heat came on, when I was under the pump, no longer was I reacting like I used to react. That's the kind of peace that we need. We need to teach our soul how to get anchored. Because you know what? The God that we serve, He's a rock. He's immovable. He's unshakable. He cannot be moved. Amen. He's not a man that he should lie. He's not somebody that's wavering. He's unchangeable in all that he does. That's the God that we serve. And when we get that rock-like substance on the inside, that interior castle that grows in strength, because we've held the gaze of the Lord long enough for his strength to seep into our soul. Hallelujah. You know, I, I don't want to be just one of these Christians that just reads the Bible all the time. But I never feel His presence. I never hear the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. I've never discerned the whisper of God in those intimate moments. Do you know a lot, a lot of unbelievers read the Bible? You know, the Bible, and I'm not putting down the Word. The Word of God is powerful. But you know what? God just doesn't want you to read the Word. He wants to draw near to you. 
He wants to speak the whispers of God into your heart. And how can He do that when we're so busy running here, there, flittering here and there, but we've never built an altar, we've never built a platform where we can hold the gaze of the Lord. I want to ask you a question this morning. How long can you hold the gaze of the Lord for in your life? That's not a put down. That's a question the throne room of heaven is asking all of us this morning. How long is it? Have you got past the five minute zone? You know, when I first became a Christian, I thought five minutes praying was like, this is eternity. Five minutes of being still. It's such a long time. But you know what? When you begin, when you begin to sense the drawing near of heaven's throne room around your life, when you begin to sense the presence coming into the room, where you begin to sense the stillness of God in your spirit, and then you start hearing the whispers of heaven in your heart. Something happens inside of you where no longer five minutes is long enough. I've got to learn. Did you know that Joshua is one of the great leaders in the Bible? And, and Joshua 1 verse 1 starts off and says, Moses is dead. It's like, okay, that's out of the way. Moses is gone. Joshua is the new commander. Do you know why God chose Joshua? If you look back in the book of Deuteronomy, when Moses went to the pillar, he, when he went to the uh, tent of meeting, and the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud came down because God said, this is the place I want to meet you. And it was characterized by a visible manifestation of God turning up. Do you know what happened? It says that Moses met with God and then he went back to his tent. He went back to his house. Do you know what the scripture says? There was a young man that lingered and stayed near the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud and his name was Joshua. When everybody else had gone, Joshua was still there gazing upon the beauty of the Lord. And as a result of that, God raised him up to be the commander of the Lord's army because he knew how to fix his eyes upon Jesus and stay and linger in the presence of God. Look at this scripture. Isaiah 26 says this, You will keep in perfect peace him whose thoughts are fixed on you, because he trusts in you. Friends, that phrase, perfect peace, that's what every human being longs for. The peace that transcends human understanding. This is the peace that Hollywood are looking for. This is the peace that prominent politicians are looking for. They're searching the world for it. They think they can buy it off the shelf like a commodity. But I want to tell you today, this peace can never be bought. It's given through the blood of Jesus to everybody who asks of God. And when we fix our thoughts and we fix our focus and we fix our minds upon God, the Bible says perfect peace. And do you know what that peace is? That's the shalom of God. That word is shalom in the Hebrew. And it literally means strength. It's not just the absence of turmoil in your life. It, shalom literally means wellness, wholeness. It means peace. It means strength coming into our lives. That when you fix your thoughts on Him, when you take a moment to focus on Him, your whole being can be flooded with perfect peace, the peace that transcends all human understanding. You know, there's a master key in all of this that we need to learn today, and it's simply this, and I've mentioned it before in the series, is this. What you focus on will grow in your life. 
What you focus on will eventually grow. Let me tell you, it works on the positive and it also works in the negative. If you want to focus on your fears within your life, do you know what's going to fill your heart? Anxiety, fear. Anxiety is the modern day disease of the millennial generation. So many young people are literally, and, I, and I'm not saying this to put them down, but they're on prescription, they're on medication. And, and, and it's because they have not yet found that perfect peace within their lives and they're jittery. It's a jittery generation that's emerging because they haven't discovered the shalom, the perfect peace of God. And what they're focusing on is their fears instead of realising that God can turn faith in your life. He can change your fears and turn it into faith. And all of a sudden you're focusing on positive outcomes. You're believing that God has the very best for your life. You're seeing His hand move. You're seeing the favour of God. Why? Because you've fixed your focus on heaven. You've fixed your focus on the Son of God. What happened on that day on the boat? Even those seasoned fishermen, they got their eyes off the fact that the Son of God was in the boat with them. And they were just looking at the raging storm. And as a result, what filled them was fear and anxiety. What you focus on will grow within your life. So here's three quick points this morning to help you fix your gaze and become clothed in the strength of the Lord. Number one, don't be distracted. You know, there's a story in the Bible about two sisters, Mary and Martha. And we've all heard this And I know the servants of the Lord find this story hard to swallow. But if we read the Scriptures, and for the sake of time, I'll have the Scriptures up there for you. But we need to understand this. There's a dinner party going on. And the two sisters are in the house. And Martha is completely focused on the dinner party. She's completely, Jesus is coming for tea. So Martha's completely focused. She's running around like a jitterbug, here, there, and everywhere. While Mary, who could have been helping her, had chosen a different response that day. And what did she do? The Bible says she sat at the feet of their guests that day and she fixed her gaze completely on Jesus Christ that day. And Martha got irritated, as we all do. When we're the one setting up, when we're the one serving, when we're the one in the kitchen, where we're the one that seems to, you know, everybody else is having a great time talking and we're serving and we're, 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 we're the hands and the feet of Jesus and we're seeing all these spiritual ones sitting around talking about spiritual things. Can anyone relate to this this morning? Well, all I want to say to, this, to you is this. What did Jesus say that day to Martha? What did he say to her? This is what he said. He said, because Martha told Jesus, tell Mary to help me. You know, she won't listen to me, Jesus. She might listen to you. You tell her to help me. This is what Jesus said. The Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. She'd chosen to gaze upon the Son of God. Jesus said she'd chosen the better thing. And I simply, because there's lots of arguments about all this, especially for those who carry a servant heart. But 
We've all got many, many things that we need to do. Amen. In any given week, if you were to write out your task list this week of all the things that you've got to do this week, it would be long for all of us. We've all got lots and lots of things that we need to do. But I want to say this this morning. We're all going to have to come to that point where we realise that the things that we think we've got to do or ought to do or the things that we should do, many of them are actually things that we just want to do but we don't have to do. Somewhere in your time schedule, there's a Mary that's wanting to break out and sit down and spend time at the feet of Jesus. So friends, don't get distracted. Like Mary, take the time to find a place where you can fix your gaze upon the Son of God because Jesus himself said, you've chosen the better thing. Don't be double-minded about it. Set up an altar in your house. Set up a place where you can regularly commit to meeting with God and watch Him begin to close your strength. The second point is this, pick up your lamp. And this is a story that Jesus told. He said, no one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. Listen to this. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, what's He saying? When your focus is clear and good, your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when they are unhealthy, you've got a bad focus. You're looking on the wrong things, the wrong stuff. Your body is full of darkness. So see to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines on you. Friends, our eyes are like lamps shining into our soul and into our body. What we gaze upon will end up filling us. Hello? I was listening to a podcast last night by a man called Andy Stanley. Pastors a large church in America. He's a very, very, very good Bible teacher. And I was listening to him being interviewed about how he manages to do all that he does with so much responsibility. And you know what? I was blown away. This is what he said, word for word. He said, I never watch television. He said, I never watch television. He said, sometimes I'll come home and the news might be on and I'll catch the end of the news. But he said, I'll never watch television. He said, you know why I don't watch television? Because he said, God's called me to be a successful leader. And he said, what am I doing when I'm watching television? He said, I'm sitting down watching someone else become successful. Those actors and those actresses. And I'm losing the time that God's given me to help make me successful and what he's called to do. And that really hit me, really convicted me personally. Uh, in the day and age of Netflix and every other subscription that you can get a hold of, there's so much time that can be wasted. What we gaze upon will eventually fill us. What we focus on will grow. And I just want to say this. I love coming to church. I love hanging out with you guys. But you know, 90 minutes on a Sunday is not going to help you fix your gaze. Something out of today needs to turn into something daily. 
something that can then grow into a weekly habit that will strengthen your life as you choose to fix your gaze upon the Lord. Lastly, this morning, face the rising sun. What do I mean by that? Look at Lamentations 3.22. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Don't you love that? There's been a lot said this morning through prophecy about God's love over our lives. I hope you heard that. I hope you walk out of this place not hating yourself, not coming down on yourself, but understanding today that the Father of all lights loves you with an unconditional love today. His compassions never fail. Listen to this. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. They are new every morning. Did you know in Europe, the architects and designers of the cathedrals and the churches, do you know what they did? They faced all the doors of the church towards the east. Because in in Europe, if you're building a church in Europe, what's facing the east is the Holy Land. It's the city of Jerusalem. So they they all designed their cathedrals to face the east. The door would face the east. And metaphorically, it's the same for us. The doorways of our hearts, the eyes and the windows of our soul, facing every day a new morning, With God, because great is His faithfulness towards us, that as you get up every morning and you face the east, the rising of the Son of God within your life, then you're going to find His faithfulness, His mercies are new to you every single morning. It's time for us to face the rising sun because we too, we're temples, not made by men's hands, but we're temples created by God. And as we turn every morning and we face our gaze, the windows of our soul towards heaven, then your body and your life is going to be filled with the light and the love of God today. Psalm 55 says this, verse 17, Evening, morning, and at noon, I will pray and cry it aloud, and he shall hear my voice. He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many that were against me. Can I say this? If you're feeling under pressure, if you're feeling under the pump today, if you feel like there's some real enemies against your soul today, can you take the psalmist's advice every morning, every noon, and every evening? Can you remember the man of God in Scripture who did this? His name was Daniel. And Daniel was basically the prime minister of a foreign power that God had raised up. And despite the fact that he lived in amongst a pagan, godless race of people, he was faithful every morning, every noon, and every evening. He would face Jerusalem and he would pray and he would fix his gaze upon the Lord. Why was Daniel so successful, friends? He was successful because the eyes of your body are the lamp of the Lord. And what you focus on and what you fix your gaze upon will eventually end up filling you. Paul said this, pray at all times with all kinds of prayer and supplication. Pray. How do you do that? How do you pray at all times? When you're driving in the car, when you're taking a walk down to the dairy to get the milk and the bread, 
Wherever you are, did you know that you can pray as you go? You can talk with God. He's not found just in a building or Sunday morning in a church. Wherever you go, you take Him with you and you can commune with Him. You can learn how to converse with God continuously every single day. So can I ask you today, what is the prevailing attitude of your mind? You know, a worrying mind will eventually weaken you. Worry kills us. And half the time we're thinking and worrying about things that are never, ever going to turn out anyway. A logical mind will often distract you from experiencing the miraculous. Because logic says that you can't alter this third dimensional world by a fourth dimensional unseen power. So a logical mind, if you're just full of logic all the time, then you'll often count out the miraculous hand of God. A burdened mind will sap you from energy when you're feeling burdened all the time. What does the scripture says? Cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you today. And an offended mind, when you take up an offense within your heart towards another person, an offended mind will cripple you with bitterness. It's like a poison that seeps into your soul. All of us have had bad things done against our life. It's how you handle the offences of your life that will determine whether you will use it as a platform to get better or whether you'll become bitter in the process. We have the choice. Don't carry an offended mind or an offended spirit today. Look to the Lord and His strength and His face Always, Psalm 105. Could we close our eyes just for a moment as we finish this message? I sense the Holy Spirit this morning. I sense a strong encouragement from the Lord. I see that there's some altars that have been broken down by the busyness of our lives. I sense there's spiritual altars in, in your home that have been bypassed because of too many other distractions. Maybe it's the kids. Maybe it's the billites that have turned up in your mailbox that are causing you excess worry and you're wondering how on earth are we going to pay it. Friends, I want to tell you, if you focus your mind and your spirit and your soul today on Jehovah Jireh, His covenant name literally means the Lord will see to your bills. He will see to it. He will pay those bills if you're willing to gaze upon Jehovah Jireh today. What is your focus? It's time to rebuild those altars within our homes, within our hearts, our workplaces, wherever you are, to be able to draw near to the Lord this morning.